Hello, and welcome to Textual Attention. I am your co-host, Rachel, and every other week, I hop on in here and uh, let you guys know what's happening over uh, on our side of things. And uh, hey, hey, I hope you guys are doing pretty good. It's been a hot minute, huh? Well, even though I, I haven't been around for a little while, I hope that uh, you've had a pretty great, pretty great month. <laughs> Look, it's been a, it's been a while. It's fine. We're totally fine. Hey, let's go ahead and get through this so that we can get you guys onto what is truly a spectacular, spectacular episode. Uh, hey, we got a new patron. We have Danny. Hey, Danny, thank you so much for supporting us. You are amazing, and we super duper appreciate you uh, being here. We love to to see our little our little family grow i hope you'll show up on the discord that would be amazing uh and if you would like to be a patron head on over to patreon.com slash textual tension and uh check us out you can't search for us we do adult content but you can type that url in and trust me if you aren't part of the under the covers team where we talk about the sex in the book you you want to be for this one it is something else (laughs) So head on over and uh, check out all the cool extra stuff that you can get from that. And again, Danny, you are amazing, and thank you so much. And I don't talk about it very often, but we actually have a goal if we hit 50 patrons, and we are only 20 away from that, by the way. And if we hit 50 patrons, then um, have you guys ever heard of Chuck Tingle? Chuck Tingle is a magical man that writes magical books uh, and is very wholesome and inclusive and kind of ridiculous. And he has a... Uh, RPG rule set. And if we hit 50 patrons, I will be running a game, a Chuck Tingle RPG tabletop game, and we will be recording it. So we will be doing an actual play kind of situation, and I'm honestly really excited for it. So help us reach our goal. That would be awesome of you. Um, hey, I mentioned Discord. I keep saying hey a lot. No, I'm going to keep it in. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> hey. So head on over to our discord i mentioned it before but uh we have a lot of fun over there i've recently reorganized everything so there's all sorts of cool new rooms for you to hang out in as far as like there's an art room and a writer's room and books you're reading room and books you want to read and books you have read and all kinds of cool stuff so head on over there and check that out we would love to have a chat with you and we just have a wonderful little community everyone's so nice so do that uh, hit us up on social media, Textual Tension Pod, on everything. I think technically we're Textual Tension, maybe, on Twitter. But if you search Textual Tension Pod, we'll come up. You'll find us. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and last but not least, a couple notes about this episode. Uh, one, I miss drug use as a trigger. My bad. And two, you really go through the whole recording process, and then when you go to edit, realize, I did the intro wrong. So, if this is your first time listening, first of all, welcome, uh, strap in, and second of all, hi, my name's Rachel, and the other voice you'll hear is Margie, (laughs) and it's my bad, I didn't actually introduce either of us. Look, like I said, it's been a while, I wasn't here last time, and, uh, we're professionals. It's only been, like, three and a half years. We're good. (laughs) Well, thank you guys if you stuck with me this long for our intro, and, uh, as a reward... I would like to provide you with some romance novel wisdom in the form of a question this time around. Would you prefer a ghost boyfriend or a boyfriend you can only see uh, when you're asleep? On one hand, you're 
your sleep boyfriend would be real dreamy. And on the other hand, your ghost boyfriend would be pretty spectacular. Hey! <laughs> It was so dumb. Oh, that was so dumb. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode because it was a wild. So without further ado, please, please enjoy episode 87, Dead Bodies and Stripper Rocks. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> and welcome to Textual Tension, a love-hate relationship with romance novels. Every other week, one of us reads and summarizes a romance novel for our unsuspecting co-host. This week, it's Margie listening in. I can't wait. Oh, you should. You should be able <laughs> you to wait. wait. And together, we are Like back. I did with my virginity. <laughs> And together, we unpack what What the the fuck fuck just happened. happened. All right, let's just get this over with. So it's morning. We're drinking some coffee. Coffee. I love morning recording. I, You know, it's so cozy. And -hmm. it's so nice to, like, you knock it out for the day. It's great. And I, okay. There's a tiny bit of a story as to how I got this book. Mm. So... Margie and I, do you do you remember the one that you read, the book that you read that was the two gay dudes who was totally no homo, but like they were they were doing the online stuff, but no homo and yes, hothead, yeah. hothead. Yeah. So I found, uh, first of all, if go on Goodreads right now, find that book, go to the author's page, and read his description because listeners, it's fucking beautiful. A so I read. No, of the author. The author's bio. Oh. Is amazing. Read the first sentence, Margie. You pulled it up. (laughs) Damon Swade grew up out and proud deep in the anus of right-wing America and escaped (laughs) as soon as it was legal. Yep. So I read that and I was like, I want to read another one of his books. And I found one of his books. And it it was a little bit too much. The premise was insane. It was oh. absolutely nuts. It was a cinnamon thing, but one of the characters has anxiety and it's written too well. And so I'm like, I can't. Wow. Like, well, Damon Swade. It was like this weird combo of like, it was a little bit difficult to read because the writing was a little bit all over the place. It wasn't bad. It was just not what I was expecting. And then the anxiety was like, I can't do this right now. Oh. I can't. This is oh. no, like, to the point where it was triggering my anxiety. So I went into my secret romance novel closet that I have upstairs, which I do it's have like upstairs. like the secret tunnel. Yes. Secret romance closet. I have a secret I, romance I, bookshelf. I I need a bookshelf because I cleaned my office and they're all just like piled up in the bottom of my closet and I pulled a random one and boy I'm gonna send this to you Margie I just sent it to the Facebook messenger the name (laughs) even just the name made my jaw drop okay so um the book is called Mimosa Grove by the way Mimosa is also a tree which I guess now I understand also why we could have drunk mimosas this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I am yeah. also more of a Bloody Mary girl, so which yeah. not a great name for a romance novel anyway. Um, <laughs> or or a wonderful name for one. 
Or a wonderful name for one. Uh, so it's by Dina McCall. And there's an image on it, like an actual picture of, is it like a southern house? I'm yeah, it's yeah. very like southern Plant, plantation plan, home. Southern plantation kind of vibes. Yeah. Um, and it says, it, it's got like that image. It's kind of like you're looking through actually maybe a mimosa grove. I don't know uh-huh. where mimosas come off the trees. You're like looking through the grove at this house. And then there's like three yellow lines, one with the author's name. And then the other two hold the um, name of the book. It's not, it looks kind of like, it's not well done. I would say this is like 2000s Photoshop and not done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says fast paced action. McCall skillfully keeps the reader guessing about the outcome until the novel's end. And that's by, by Publishers Weekly on White Mountain. So she must have another book called White Mountain. All right. Uh-huh. And it does kind Great. of bother me that at the top, Zena McCall is not centered. No, it's not. And I don't know <laughs> if it's Dina or Dinah. I'm going to say Dina. That's fair. I'm I, not I've sure. Never, I've heard many different and seen and heard many different spellings of Dina I've I don't think I've ever heard or met a Dina so I've met a Dina oh cool yeah weirdly enough huh I don't know cool who knows Dina Dina it's actually a pen name so it doesn't really matter oh okay okay (laughs) um all right so now I'm gonna read the description so Laurel Scanlon I said Scanlon Scanlon. Scanlon. I just imagine that she's like the heiress to Scantron. Uh, <laughs> Daughter of Scantron Mogul. <laughs> God. Um, oh, so Jesus. has the gift of second sight. And it, man, I could have used that on my SAT and ACT. An ability right? passed down to the eldest daughter of each generation. It is this gift, or curse perhaps, that drove her own mother mad and has left Laurel unwilling to trust and love except in her dreams i don't really know okay i don't really know how those two like link together but just uh, anxious for a new beginning she decides to retreat to mimosa grove an old estate outside bayou jean 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 i said jean bayou jean bayou jean mimosa grove belongs to laurel now bequeathed by her maternal grandmother must be nice laurel Uh feels their history and tragedy here and amidst the pre primeval beauty she senses something unfinished folks here know about her grandmother's gift and treat laurel with the same reverence especially when she is able to help the police find a missing girl it is said that she sees justin bouvier stranger soulmate the man who haunts her dreams but there's danger here in mimosa grove not from the restless past but from the deadly present laurel must be willing to trust her gift her love for Justin, and most of all, herself, to stop tragedy and history from repeating it themselves. Okay, can I make a couple comments? Please do. <laughs> this actually doesn't sound like a horrible premise. Um, I will say she didn't really go... F- it doesn't sound like she went... I don't know where she's coming from, but like she's going to a place that like doesn't sound great if you're a psychic. If I was a psychic, uh, I am not. But if I was, I would want to go to, like, the newest building. Like, I would want it to have an apartment building that opened yesterday and only had influencers in it. Just be like, (laughs) nope, I don't want any ghosts. None of that shit. This better not have been built on an Indian or a Native American burial ground. Indigenous people's burial ground. (laughs) Yeah, indigenous people's burial ground better not have been built on that. I want none of that BS. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to... 
gonna live my best ghost-free life. I feel like an apartment building full of influencers would be terrible as a psychic because they all have bound to have so many mental health problems. I guess it depends on the type of psychic you are because from this, from reading that intro, I took up that she can like talk to the dead. Well, so um, there are no rules with her psychic abilities. It's no rules, just right rules, which is to say we're playing Calvin Ball. Um, she can do a lot of things and she can't do a lot of things. And sometimes within a couple chapters. Um, uh, so, so Margie, real quick, before we get into the triggers for this book, I'd like to, just to set everything up, read you the last line of the dedication in this book. Okay. I dedicate this book to all God's children. So <laughs> <laughs> that's going to set it up for you. <laughs> Okay, I, I, but it's going to set it up for me, but I also have no idea where this is going now, because my yeah. first thought was, was she, is she like, at the end of the book, does she like renounce her psychic powers and like walk into the God's church or something like? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get into triggers real quick, because okay. yeah, um, so <sighs> The one thing I didn't write down, but there's so many of them. I don't think I'll miss any. Let's see. Suicide. Good. Mental health disorders. Yep. Uh, child endangerment. All right. Maybe. Is that the word? I don't know. A child is in danger at some point. Death. A, a child. Murder. Uh, <laughs> murder. Uh, slavery. White saviorism. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why domestic- white saviorism is the one that made me laugh, but it's it. <laughs> domestic abuse. <laughs> Um, we've got, I'm going to put this as a trigger because it really bothered me. Really inappropriate descriptions of things. I'm going to go on record. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've heard about one already. Right now and say that this book, this, this episode's probably going to be called Dead Bodies and Stripper Rocks and you'll see why. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was like, isn't there something about rocks being shy? There like, is like shy strippers. Um, <laughs> kid, oh, kidnapping. Um, okay. We have. Oh, I'm gonna put political stuff in here because um, I I could see that it. Om- I was like, Ooh, is this gonna trigger me? It didn't, so I was fine. But like, I could see that being a thing. Um, yeah, I think that that's that's about it. Oh, animal death. <laughs> yes. There it is. There you go. Yay. A little teaser for you guys. <sighs> a teaser and okay. a warning. And a warning. Um, all right. So let's get into our characters. I just we just gotta start because we just gotta go. I don't want to. Um Lawrence yeah. Ganlin, she's redhead, she's hot, and she can see the future if she touches things. Okay. Uh-huh. Justin Bouvier. Square jaw, black hair, almost black eyes, like the so dark they're almost black, that kind of situation. Ooh, okay. yep, yep, and he's yep. an investment banker that works from home in Louisiana. Wow. Okay. And what yeah. and what and this is not recent, right? Is this like It was written in 2004. Okay, that was the vibe is- I was feeling. Assumed that it takes place in 2004. This woman should know better for it being 2004. <laughs> 
What do you mean, Rachel? <laughs> there are not enough corners in my home for me to handle all of the Rachel science corners that this book needed. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's you're getting in. you're getting one out of me. <laughs> OK, so let's start in my normal format with scenes that quickly breaks down. But I did try. <laughs> <laughs> so scene one, Laurel is entertaining for her father and is super over it. So Laura lives in D.C. with her dad, who's a uh, a prosecutor, like a, a government federal prosecutor okay um and it's very like old money kind of thing where like she's the only woman in the house right now and so she's like the you know the the hostess kind of situation um yeah there's there's a little bit of that like but he's a man so you know that kind of thing going on and sprinkle it all over this but remember margie it's for god's children so you know the man's the head of the household right yeah okay um (laughs) That was a little, that was very cynical. I apologize, but I also don't. Um, So when it's finally over, she goes upstairs to have a torrid love affair with her dreams. Oh. Which is to say that for the past four months, she's been fucking a dude in her dreams and she's in love with him. End of book. That's it. I mean. It's not. But. That honestly sounds kind of nice. If I could just go to sleep and be like. It does, but I'm going to go ahead and spoilies all of this for everybody right now. There's no romance in this book. They literally are already in love. And oh. this hasn't been dates and in their they've, dream. They've just been fucking. There's so they no really talking. Haven't been talking. It's just no. it's just body chemistry is really working for them. And you don't even really know that because it's it's just it's a dream. And hey, hey listeners, if you want to hear about the sex in this book and trust me, you do. Head on over to Under the Covers. Head on over to our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash sexual tension. You want to know. (laughs) Rachel, Uh I know you. I fucked with you once upon a dream. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So they're already in love. It's like page four. Great. Yeah. The next day, her dad's being an asshole. So her dad is aware that... This, is he aware that she's one of God's children, too? He does know that, but he also is aware that she thinks she can see, has these psychic abilities that her mom also thought that her mom had. So, like, he's super, like, whatever, don't be crazy, why are you crazy? Like, just a dick, quite frankly, <laughs> hey, about listen, everything. Have you tried getting over it? Honestly, have you tried just like not? And her have you mom tried just not fucking this guy every night. Oh, he doesn't know about that. Um, her mom committed suicide also, and he to this day has claimed that it's because was because of her thinking she had the sight and being able then to see maybe the future. You should be nice to your daughter. But you'd think he's like he's kind of in this like. Well, just shut that shit down right now kind of thing of like, you're going to go crazy if you keep doing try leaning into that. Have you tried getting over it? Exactly. Yeah. So she just kind of like, she's like, whatever, I'm not dealing with this. And she goes to meet with her family lawyer who requested to have breakfast with her. And surprise, we find out that her grandmother in Louisiana has recently died and left her everything. So the house... Enough money to be just fine forever, 
wise and like everything and she's like oh thank fuck i can get out of my house i'm 28 thank god so literally she comes home and the next day is like bye because that's how she ever met this grandmother yeah so okay when she was sort of sad yeah she is kind of sad when she was little her they would go down there with her mom and like visit and like play in the mimosa grove and all this stuff which Aww. i will say look up mimosa trees they're beautiful they're really pretty i had no idea yeah oh. mm-hmm. i didn't know that they were a thing yeah it's a it's a tree and it has like these like pink like fuzzy puffball kind of flowers all over them Aww. yeah they're really pretty so i also learned that today i did not know that the more you know i just thought it was an excuse to drink mimosas but it's a tree and it's a beautiful tree Aww. um yeah, so she just kind of decides to up and leave literally the next day, which, again, I cannot stress enough, it's not how legal matters work that quickly. <laughs> Magic! Yup. I think it, in my notes it says that she decides to uh, get up and leave the next day because fuck you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> Fair. If yeah. she's feeling, like, particularly... She, also, she could get down there, though, and I'm not saying this happens in the book, and, like, maybe she doesn't have the property pop, property yet, but, like, if she wants to start a new life, she could live in, like... I mean, right. Airbnb didn't exist, but she could sublet a place or something like that until she could get into her house, so... Right. You know, I understand the I understand the compulsion to be, like, I have the opportunity to live a completely new and different life. I'm, I'm gonna go try that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is... Yeah, she, she totally, like... The next day, puts all of her belongings in a suitcase because she doesn't have that many because she hasn't wanted that many and just fucking yeets out of her life. <laughs> so That sounds like an awesome opportunity, honestly. It does. Um, wait till you hear everything that she signed up for, though. Um, <laughs> so she flies down and uh, there's this like brief aside in the airport where... <sighs> Someone comes up to her and touches her arm to see if she needs help with her bags, and and she foresees this guy's death, which apparently happens a lot. And she's like, "Okay," because yeah. like she comes from somewhere where everyone's like, "Oh, it's the crazy child. No one believes her," like that kind of thing. And this like, it just it's just uncomfy because she's like, "Oh, he's clearly simple. I shouldn't have gotten mad at him." It is two thousand. <laughs> For my guy. <laughs> um. Also, mm. don't write phonetically, please. <laughs> okay, just go on. I don't like that. I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, we're gonna go on. So, so she makes it down there to the house. It's like it's like I think I think that she lands in New Orleans and then has to drive like. It's like a six-hour drive from New Orleans kind of thing. Oh, wow. So it's out in the bayou. Like, it's not, like, downtown. It's far. Yeah. Um, and she she ends up going to... It's like there's this tiny town, Bayou Jean, that Bayou Jean is how it's spelled, but Bayou Jean, um, that is, like, next to Mimosa Grove. And it's, like... Like, she's driving through, and she, like, has this incident where, like, this she watches this little girl trip and fall, so she, like, gets out of her car and, like, comforts the little girl, and, like, people mm. are coming over, and, like, she kind of, like, meets some of the people in the village and in the town, and they ask, like, oh, you're Marcel's girl. Like, so that's what she said, because Marcel was her grandmother, and she's like, yeah, and she kind of gets, like, a little nervous, because she's like, people are going to think that I'm crazy, because Marcel had the right, gift, yeah. too, and they're like... The repu- reputation precedes her. Right, and they're yeah. like, oh, thank God, we're going to have someone else with the sight living in the town. And she's like, oh, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> She's very excited. Because oh, well, I'm glad that could go pumped. either way, too, because it could also right. be like, oh, no, I didn't want anyone to know about that. Like, I wanted to just kind of live my life. But if she's happy right. with it, good for happy for her. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things where, like, it's Louisiana, which has, in the bayou especially, there's a lot of, like, superstition and, like, I think this is the assumption that the author is making, I should say. Yes. Is there's all, you know, because it's the land of hoodoo and voodoo and it's like or voodoo oh. and hey <laughs> hey that comes up and hey voodoo is so much more complicated than white ladies from the midwest think it is go and look it up so, it's, it's very so interesting cool. it's yes. so cool yeah it's so cool Ugh, maybe i'll leave some links to some cool podcasts about it down yes. down below i actually went to an exhibition in chicago once about that had voodoo like it was like really I don't know how to describe it other than the thing that I took away from it was that their gods are so powerful that they chain up their gods yeah and the statues and stuff it's so cool cool. it's so so cool cool. yeah it's an awesome awesome sort of belief system so hey look that up it's real cool but so she ends up going to the house and meeting um her name is Marie and she calls her Mamma Marie because she like it's this old woman who had taken care of her grandmother and had remembered her from when she was little. And this woman is a treasure. I love her. Aww. She's just like, she could, she's the caretaker of the house, essentially. She's been around with her, with Laurel's grandmother. So she knows like how to like take care of Laurel when she is like, you know, having the sight or whatever. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. And she's just like a really sweet, fiery old woman who's like, you don't do that. That's my job. And she's like, no, but I want to help. But it's my job. You are not putting me out on the streets. And she's like, no, it's she's just she's very sweet. I do love her. She's one of those like feisty old ladies kind of situation. Right. Um, And she also meets the house ghost. Oh, one of them. Yeah. So there is a story in her family about the first woman with the sight in their family to be to live in Louisiana. Um, her name is Chantel. She's mm-hmm. from France. And she the story in the family is that she ran away with another man. Um, but her ghost haunts this house. Like and like her ghost and a couple other like other ghosts as well. Yeah. But there's like a spirit, you know. And she wants to be found is sort of the vibe that Laurel gets. So it's it's kind of a, yeah, so it's spookly dookly and there's ghost and something's up with the ghost and Laurel's trying to figure it out. Okay. It cool. sounds like they need uh five teenagers and a dog to come in a very interesting van and just show up at their, their house and whip off a mask. Right? Only yeah. it's not a mask. It's so much more racist than that. Oh no. Um, <laughs> so so let's go ahead. This is where my scenes break down. Okay. I made it through two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did. You've done great. Now the rest of the book is a montage. The okay. reason the rest of the book is a montage is because there is approximately like 12 and a half plots in this book. And all of them happen concurrently, <laughs> often within the same chapters. <laughs> We're changing perspectives. We're in perspectives of people that don't even matter. There's little tiny bits that literally never come up in the rest of the book. There's, It's everywhere. So I've distilled it down to three major topics that we're just going to cycle through. So there is the Russian sidebar. There's the Mimosa Grove. And then there's the spookily dookily check-in. So... (laughs) 
so we're just because all of this is happening all at the same time we're just gonna just kind of go from one to the other like like touch on one and then go to the mimosa grove which is where the bulk of everything happens and then touch on something else and just like you know i'll give you check-ins of everything it reminds me of like a pinball machine and we're just like going all over the board you are very correct in that assumption (laughs) and then the Um, pinball the machine is mimosa grove i could just see it now (laughs) oh that's actually that's a vibe i like it um so I should also mention that like Mimosa Grove in and of itself has like six plots of its own. So each of the sections is a plot of Mimosa Grove. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. Strap in. There's no rules. Again, okay. no rules just right is the name of this book. <laughs> let's let's chat about the God's Russians. Children? No, the Russians. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so sidebar. As I mentioned, Laurel's father is a federal prosecutor. Um, and he has recently taken on a case where a prominent art gallery owner in the city uh, turns out, whoopsie doodle, he's selling military secrets, secrets to the Russians. Double oh, whoopsie doodle. When, when that happens. Double whoopsie doodle. His real name is Russian McRussian Man because she did pick the most Russian name she could find. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah. It's like something, um, I don't even remember, but he was actually a spy that was a holdover from the Cold War. Right, again, that just decided, Putin. That just decided that, you know what, America's pretty cool, I can make a lot of money here and just hang out. He's like, when they describe this man, I think I mentioned this in the Discord because I couldn't handle it myself. He apparently, by the time he was 18, had two PhDs, which I'll tell you right now, does not happen. <laughs> One of them. Must have been a lot of overlapping courses in those two PhDs. <laughs> and just a lot of novel research, um, I right. guess, for right. like, since he was 10. Um, so, uh, one was in math. That's a valid PhD to get. Yeah. The other one was in, and I quote, the sciences. All of them. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot oh of test my... tubes and beakers, my friend. That, you got enough there? Almost made me throw this book across the table. Oh, God. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. So her dad is uh, basically going to be the guy trying this case against this Russian guy. Um, okay. Russian McRussian pants. Now, I'm not even going to go into so much just how wrong she is about the legal system in every <laughs> every instance. Because the way that they kick off this whole, like, indictment against this man is uh, one single person coming forth and saying that they overheard one side of a conversation <laughs> on a phone that sounded vaguely like it might be related to selling military secrets. And that was enough, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not hearsay. Listen, Definitely I not to hearsay. a lot of true crime. Do you realize how much, like, it takes to get police to do anything sometimes? I'm not even going to go into the fact that this guy thinks he's safe because he used the internet and bounced his signal off so many towers that they can't trace it. Margie's got that VPN. Margie, 
It's 2004. <laughs> she should know better. I mean, I wonder, though. Oh, I mean, VPNs weren't like a huge God. thing in 2004, though. And that's kind of I... what it reminds me what she's describing. Virtual pr- privacy network. But yeah, no, they literally she's 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 making it sound like a cell tower almost. Yeah, that's not that's that was definitely wasn't how that worked. 2004 was still the age of the internet made a weird sound when you opened it. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's cut back. So that sets up that side plot. Let's cut back over to Mimosa Grove and go through our first official plot of Mimosa Grove. Okay. So Laurel's been there for like a day at this point. Um the second night that she's sleeping there, she notices, she realizes that, oh, since I came here, I haven't been dreaming about my dream boyfriend. That's kind of a bummer. And she really misses him. Um, How? So. Well, she misses his dick, right? She doesn't miss, like, talking to him. Yeah, but Margie, penis is love. Right, right. <laughs> right. So, so that night, a thunderstorm pops up. Um, and it's a pretty bad one. And we we kind of cut to, again, within the same chapter, um, the chief of police and Justin and a bunch of people out searching for this little girl who is Justin's niece, who had gone out playing in the bayou, which again, like, y'all keep keep hold of your children. That's not a safe place. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are, um, aren't there, like, what is it, crocodiles or alligators? Yes. Yes, there are. Yeah, um, and they like to nom on children. Like, it's not their sure... fault, but, like, children are... Pudgy they sure and delicious. Do. Yeah. So um they're out searching for her and they like can't find her. It's raining, like the the water's starting to rise, and they're yeah, getting really she got nervous. Eaten by a crocodile. Well, so then all of a sudden the chief of police remembers, oh my god, there's one of the psychics living at Mimosa Grove again. So they grab this little girl's jacket and they rush over to Mimosa Grove and they wake Laurel up and hand her the jacket and they're like we are searching for this little girl. We need to find her. You might be able to help here and hand it to her. And she immediately like goes into a vision because she sees through touching things. Hey, um, and she sees through this little girl's eyes where she is. So is she at she's home? no, she's uh, in the bayou. She's on a stump and the water's rising. And so she's like, this, she's trying to describe to the chief what she's seeing as this little girl and like because she's in the girl's head like yeah, right and like all this thing and she the chief realizes oh justin is out there on a boat like in that area he can try to find him and so like he's like guiding justin to where this little girl is and like the little girl sees the light and like it is established at this point that Laurel is literally talking to this little girl through this connection so like telling her like no don't like don't you have like at one point she has to jump into her uncle's arms and she's scared and she's like no you can do it like you know like talking to this girl yeah right i just want to really really emphasize the fact that there is open communication between laurel and this little girl through their brains okay okay, okay. that's important okay so through this little girl's eyes a light falls on her uncle's face, who's rescuing her. And Laurel sees for the first time. Boyfriend, the guy, dream boyfriend. The, the guy she's that been she's fucking been every fucking night. For, four, for four months. Um, She sees Justin for the first time oh, through no. the eyes of a six-year-old oh, no. that she has open communication with. Oh, no. Please allow me to read a brief excerpt oh god i don't like this 
Yes. After she describes what Justin looks like, um, his black hair, his strong jaw, you know, his slightly crooked nose from where it was broken at one point. She then says, but she'd seen him before and knew well the power in his body as he'd thrust repeatedly into the valley between her legs. She knew the cut of his cheek, the taste of his lips, the softness of his breath as his mouth moved upon her skin. <laughs> Through the eyes of a six-year-old! <laughs> does a six-year-old say anything? Like, does she, like, communicate a message? Because that's what I was afraid of. I thought the six-year-old was going to be like, Uncle Justin, you're so hot! And I was going to be like, ugh! No, that does not happen. Thank God. It is never addressed that she does that. But me as the reader am concerned. I am concerned. Uh Again, I'm just glad she didn't have the six-year-old say something entirely inappropriate. (sighs) Yeah, but that six-year-old's traumatized at this point. Well, yeah, she's been, Um, but I mean, she's been stuck in a pouring down bayou for hours by herself. Like, she's already- That's fair. She, she's also had another woman in her she's brain probably also is thinking like about lost, sex lost six. like or she's probably also had some like a foot nibbled off or something by a crocodile so <laughs> yeah just a couple toes that's just a fine. couple toes god i just a fucking it's a six-year-old y'all okay so again that falls into the trigger of really inappropriate things to <laughs> It's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, if you really think about it, like it's, it's not, not great okay. that Sleeping Beauty meets this guy twice and then they're soulmates. Yeah, if you really think about it, it's really not okay that she has an open discourse mentally with a six-year-old and then thinks about fucking her uncle. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> All right, hopefully so, that do- means the. Hopefully that doesn't mean though that like the six year old knows what Laurel is also thinking. I hope not. Yeah, but it's never addressed. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So the next day, um, Justin slept in really late because obviously he was up all night trying to find his niece, and he wakes up and he's like, "All right, I." am totally going to go to Mimosa Grove and meet whoever it is who's there who helped find my niece because I have to thank her in person. I'm like so this is so curious about this meeting. So important to him. So and he's really tired. And so he goes over and he opens the like she opens the door and he stops dead in his tracks. Like okay, oh so my he god. Knows, he's been oh, having yeah. these dreams as he's well. He's also been fucking her in his dreams. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um and he thinks that he's still asleep. So they fuck. <laughs> I I'm on I'm just speechless. Like cuz Oh jeez. Yeah. They think because I he feel thinks like some sort of conversation would have to be had before oh I'm asleep. You know what the conversation is? What? It's his internal monologue of oh I must be asleep cuz I'm seeing this woman. And then the external monologue is, I missed you. Me too. And then they fuck. And then... So, and when, no question... Wow, these dreams must have been really convincing. I guess. And then, after they're done, <laughs> which, again, you need to hear about this sex. It's taking everything in me not to talk about it right now. And then he realizes after he's done that Oh, I'm not waking up. Oh, shit. 
This was real. real. Oh, God, I hope they used protection. They didn't. Oh. Oh, my God. Um, don't worry. Everything's fine. There's absolutely zero problems, and they're still in love with each other. Yeah. The end. The no, end. No, it's not the absolutely end. Absolutely not. Um, we got to figure but, out what's going on with Vladimir Putin. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, everything's fine. There's no problems. Also, uh, his sister is going to... I told you there's no romance in this book. That's so it. So there's no, like, question from him? No. Like, hey, I've been fucking you in my dreams for four months. Like, <laughs> why is that happening? I mean, nope. other than the fact that you're, like, a seer. Nope. No questioning. No. Nothing. It's fine. They love each other. They've been fucking for four months. How could they fuck for four months and not love each other, Margie? It's unreasonable. <laughs> It's not the fucking each other for four months that bother, bothers me. It's the fact that no questions are asked about this situation. Like, nope. even if she is a psychic or whatever, it's like, but why you? Why me? Like, nope, how are they're we fine connected? With it. Like, totally fine with it. Everything's great. Okay. No questions asked. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, they're fine with it. Everything's great. There's literally zero conflict in this particular instance. Um, so... There's going to be his sister. He also wanted to mention to her that his sister is going to be throwing a party that like that night or the next night, some night coming up. I don't remember. Time's an illusion to celebrate and to like thank all of the searchers and everything like that. And Laurel is invited, obviously, as like the guest of honor. And Justin's like, I'm going to take you because they're in love. And that's yeah, fine because they're in love. And the whole family is going to be cool about this sleeping boinking situation you know weirdly they all are yep everyone is everyone is they, having a completely normal human reaction in this book. they all they literally show up to this party and like are kissing and whatever she's been in town for two days, days. and everyone's <laughs> like oh yeah good for you justin way to go <laughs> okay all right um, so let's let's go ahead and real quickly do a spookly dookly check-in i almost feel like i'm losing my mind i'm like am i becoming yes. too cynical no like is that what this is like am i like i know no. we, we started this podcast literally to do this to dissect these books but i'm like i i don't feel like these are normal human reactions they're not i here's the thing this book made me think i was losing my mind yes because the writing is so bad and normally, you know me, I can't stand bad writing. Yeah. Like, I will not read a book if there's bad writing. But there was so much going on in this that I was like, one, I'm on a time limit. And two, I can't not. Because right. I'm going mad. This entire book was was thought up, I guarantee, in this woman's head because she thought of the phrase, where are you going? I'm going mad. And that is said six goddamn times in this book. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, we got to keep going. Yeah. Um, spookly dookly check-in. We're only through one plot. There's like 12 more to go. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. Spookly dookly check-in. Laurel, uh, uh, again, this is a montage. So like in one instance, Laurel gets lost in the woods outside of her house and a ghost guides her home. Yay. Um, in another instance, Laurel starts exploring the third floor of their house, which no one's been to in a long time. Because like this house is super dilapidated and she's trying to like clean it up it. and yeah, yeah right and it's like and no one's home and this is right before justin shows up so she's like by herself and exploring the spooky third attic or whatever and oh like there's God. ghosties breathing down her neck and why would and, you do that alone and then she gets distracted by dreamboat literally um yeah. and 
and never goes up there again. Ever? No. Not in the book. Well, that's and not it's an referenced. update then. Nothing happens. Well, she like sees a portrait and then she's like, like four other times in the book, she's like, oh, I need to go up there. I never got a chance to do that and just never does again. So, you know. Um, okay. They also happen to find while they're cleaning the house, um, the like that first lady, Chantel, um, find her diary. Just like up on a shelf in the library. Chillin'. Just chilling. And so she starts reading slowly through it to figure out like what was Chantel's deal. Um, and starts to learn about how like she came over from France to like marry this person that she's never met before. And and this is like early eighteen hundreds. And how um the 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 site has been in her family, Chantel's family in France for like ever and like you know, all all of this stuff. And she's trying to hide it because she doesn't want people to think she's weird and everything like that. And, you know, the slaves in the house think it's voodoo. And all of that. Can you hear the pain in my voice, listeners? Can you hear the just how much over it I am? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and a side note related to that because this diary is making her very sad justin can feel her emotions from far away so they already have that connection what is or whatever this magical special connection between these these two like why it's, it's god the only thing that connects them is the fact that they're quote-unquote fucking soulmates which also isn't as explained as far as i know no it's not actually it's just like mm, i've got this guy on fucking speed dot on fucking on brain fucking speed dial <laughs> Booty call. Brain booty call. Brain booty call. Um, He's my number six in my Nokia. <laughs> yes, because it's 2004. Four. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and also she's seeing all kinds of people and stuff in the house because it's like a regular old haunted mansion from Disney World. So there cool, you go. There's actually, your, that's kind of dope. There's your spookly dookly check-in. It okay. gets less dope. So let's let's head on back to the Russian side plot. Yay! Um, this, I think this one might be my favorite. Well, um, <laughs> so the dude is incarcerated and is trying to make a deal with Laurel's dad. And he drops, and again, look, I don't talk about it very often. I was a government contractor for a little while. I worked for the DOD. Let's keep, just keep that in mind as we go mm. forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're in prison trying, like he's meeting with the dude and his lawyer trying to make a deal. And he drops the name of like a super secret government thing that her dad, Laurel's dad does not understand. And so he goes over to the payphone in the prison and just calls up the secretary of defense. As you do. <laughs> and then drops the name of this apparently super secret government thing, which by the way is dumb. It's and also, called you're the, the payphone in a fucking prison. You and the secretary of defense is like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is a good venue to tell you everything about this super secret, apparently black project of the government <laughs> on a payphone in a prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, does God. he know that he's in a payphone in prison? Yes. He's aware. Okay. Okay. The name I just, just for, Secretary of Defense things. Um, I'd like to real briefly give everyone, you know, this is what I mean when I say there aren't enough corners in my home. The name of this super secret military thing is called the FFR, which is the Friendly Fire Radar. 
Because apparently, because friendly fire is a legitimate problem in modern warfare, and uh, this thing is apparently, and I quote, well, it's not really a radar, which is means it wouldn't be called a radar. <laughs> and it basically is a microchip in every single thing that we, uh, every piece of technology that we own that will cause it to self-destruct before it hurts any of our people. Bitch, like, that ain't a radar. I work with radar shit. That ain't a radar. <laughs> That is decidedly not a radar <laughs> in any way. That's a microchip. You said it yourself. <sighs> okay. I just, I, I had to get that off my chest. Wow, I couldn't. Wow, wow, wow. I couldn't. Wow. Now it's a radar. I, Zach just looked at me and when I told him that, and he's like, frequencies. And I'm like, mwam, 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 mwam. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I just needed. Did, uh, I just, wait, maybe that explains our two lovebirds. Did he resonate with her? That's the sound of dream resonation. Um, okay, so he's taken off the. But he refuses to deal with this guy, even though the Secretary of Defense is like, "You have to deal with him because we can't let this get out." Which, like, what does okay. that mean? Am I supposed? To, am I supposed to murder this guy in prison? I know. Well, in like. I'm sorry, but if it were really like a super duper secret, you wouldn't have charged this guy because you wouldn't have wanted it to get out. Get out. Like, yeah. And also, this guy probably would have been, before he got like indicted, probably would have sat down with an attorney and said, I know all of this shit. He should I'll have. Take a, I'll take a plea deal, but right. I'm not telling you any of this stuff unless I get like through only get unless three it's years. Th- unless it's through a prison payphone. Yes. Um, so, so. <laughs> Her dad's taken off the case for insubordination or whatever. Direct quote from my notes. Um, mm-hmm. And decides, you know what? Fuck it. I've kind of, I've been really missing Laurel and I know I've been kind of an ass. Uh, so like. Yeah, I was about to say, aren't they like not. He realizes that like. wise He still doesn't believe her vis-a-vis the site. But yeah. he realizes that he's kind of been a dick to her. So he's like, well, I'm going to take a vacation. And before I go to like Bimini or whatever, I will swing by. I'll stop by Louisiana and see the house and like, you know, try to at least like keep a relationship with her because I, yeah. And all a branch. Um, and the Russian guy is really mad about the fact that he isn't taking this deal. They aren't taking this deal. So he calls, he calls the only person that knows about like all about him. Basically his contact that like, it's this kid who's the son of a four-star general, which, like, wouldn't have military secrets anyway, but, right. yeah. So he calls this kid and is like, I can implicate you in this if you don't do what I tell you to do. You need to go and kidnap this attorney's daughter, daughter. to use her as leverage against the attorney so that he'll How make the deal. How old is this kid? He's 19, his name is Trigger, and he's hooked on cocaine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, drug use is a trigger, huh? <laughs> trigger, and he's addicted to cocaine. I mean, like, because I was just like, can you he's imagine real- a Gen Z today or whatever just getting that call and being like, like, like his putting re- it on TikTok or something? His, real, like, name- would- <laughs> his real name's Gerald, but everyone calls him Trigger. He's the son of a four-star general who decided that he couldn't handle the pressure, so he dropped out of high school and got hooked on cocaine. The pressure of what? 
being a f- the son of a four-star general and like following in his father's footsteps. Oh my god. Oh my okay, god. Okay, so let's go back to Mimosa Grove for the next plot. <laughs> so they're at the party. It's all fun and games until someone brushes up against Laurel and she foresees this person's death. Um so <laughs> So someone brushes up against Laurel and she sees this woman getting beaten to death. By her husband. Well, she doesn't Ooh. know it's her husband at the time. Told you, domestic abuse. Um, oh, God. And, but she sees this woman, like, dead. And so they, like, try to find this woman because she's, like, either the woman who's going to die brushed up against me or the killer did. And either way, I need to know. Yeah. And so, like, Justin's helping her find this woman. And they find her. And it's, like, a childhood friend of Justin's. Like, Aww. her, this woman and her twin brother. And they tell her. And she's, like oh shit like freaks out obvious she's like well my husband's out of town like am i gonna go home and like and you kind of get a little bit of her internal monologue and like kind of get some of the idea that oh yeah her husband was is abusive um and but this woman's twin brother has never believed in the psychic stuff with marcel or with laurel um and so her brother's just like, you're going to be fine. I'm just going to take you home. I'll swing by in the morning and make sure you're okay. And she's like, I don't want to die. And she's like, well, he's like, it's, it's, you really believe this? It's fine. It's, you're going to be fine. Oh my God, that's so stupid too. Cause it's like, okay, like, even if you don't believe it, put your sister just in a hotel for one night for right. her and that's peace what she of wants. mind, right? She's like, I can just stay with you for a night. Like I'm home alone. And he's like, no, you'll be fine. Oh and she just goes with it because again, he's a man. Well, and also, it's like, it is the, like, psychic thing. I I understand that of being, yeah. like, someone telling you, like, oh, come on. like Right. Well, and, like, I would, I would be more okay with that if she didn't literally save a child's life the night before. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, but she, so, like, she tries to get them, Justin and her try to get them to understand. And she, Laurel's just, like, super defeated about it of, like, this is normal. Do you know how much I deal with this? Like, right. I deal with this every day. Like, I can't make them do it, but, like, she's going to die tonight. So. And they do nothing. <laughs> there are literally so many things you could do. She, like that, they, It's like, Justin, it's what is this all or nothing attitude of, like, well, she won't leave the house. So, like, there's nothing we can do except just stay home and sleep. Like. No. Oh, they don't sleep. And Justin. Well, no calls the sheriff who happens to not be there so like he he calls the sheriff and he's like well he's not there guess there's nothing else i can do about this so then they decide to go back and fuck oh just go on none of these reactions make any fucking sense i hate this let's let's go back to our old friend really inappropriate things and references to make okay they are actively aware of the fact that a woman is actively dying they yep. fuck, yep. which, you know, mm-hmm. affirming life. Mm-hmm. And then Justin decides that now is a great time to discuss la petite mort, which, if you don't know, is French for the little death, which is what they call an orgasm. Yes. So they talk about an orgasm using the phrase the little death while a woman is actively Dying. being murdered. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I just, just, it's like, it's, it's that, at, the all or nothing attitude of them just being like, oh, well, we couldn't do this. So I guess there's absolutely nothing we could can do. I, it, it just, it, it, it baffles me. 
I get being feeling defeated. You're 28 years old. No one's ever believed you in your entire life about this thing that you can do. And you just had to deal with it your whole life. But then you you go to a place that accepts you fully. Everyone in this town almost is like, yeah, 100% cool. We're glad you're here. And you don't do everything in your power to protect those people. Well, it's not it's it's not even that. It's just like you but the you're not even going to cuz what I'm imagining is like if and maybe I'm being like I don't know, like if I were in this situation, but if I were in this situation, I feel like, no, let's go drive to the house. We'll park yeah. outside. And if we, when we hear something, we can barge right in, right? you know, or, or yeah. just be like, or just show up at the door and be like, no, we're going to sit with you. And like, right. or do you want to like, leave? Do you want to stay with us? Like, you don't have to stay right. with your brother. Cause you also said that Justin was her childhood friend. So it's like, it's yeah. not like they don't know these people. It's not like they're complete strangers. Oh, like, I know. And she has this big ass mansion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, about you, it's... how about you get some sheets out of the closet and make a bed for her? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it's about to get worse because uh, Laurel sees this woman's death in her dreams. Um, viscerally. And wa- yeah. sorry, Laurel watches her, this woman being buried and this woman's spirit crying out for help. So in the morning, the woman's brother shows up and says, hey, my sister's missing. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, she's dead. Dead. And he like finally believes her or whatever. And she's like, I'll go with you because I I think I might know, be able to figure out where this woman's buried. And he's like, obviously devastated. And she's like, yeah, you didn't fucking listen to me. So yeah, she. I do not blame. That is very victim blaming of you should have listened to my psychic powers. No. No. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So she ends up going and they get the the sheriff to show up and this guy this lady's husband like had been out of town and comes home and is like freaking out and Laurel's just looking at him and is like you did it. I can tell like he has like he's wearing stuff that she remembers from revisions like yeah. all these things. Right. She's right. like you did it. She's buried probably behind the chicken coop based on like what I got from my vision. And the dude like he's like no no no, no. and then breaks down and is like yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a whole Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they figured out it was her abusive husband that did it. End of book. No, it's no. not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like one of those Russian dolls. Right? Let's check in with the spookly dookly real quick. Yeah. Um. So Chantel, again, the original lady who had the sight in this home. Right. Um, wants to be found and is speaking through Laurel to Laurel through the diary. So when um, you say wants to be found, are you saying like she's her body is somewhere on the property? That's the assumption. Okay. Like, the story is that she ran away with someone, but Laurel at this point does not believe that to be true. Right. Okay. Um, so Margie, slavery is bad. Yes. Okay. So slavery is very bad. I just want to throw this out there that while she's reading this book, this woman is describing one of the slaves being whipped and saying how horrible it is and how no one back home believes in this, which is a lie. It's 1800s France. People weren't not racist in 1800s France. Yeah. And and she's talking about how terrible it is and how she's going to, like, take down the whipping post and throw it into the pond and everything. And Yeah. This white woman is very good in that she's not racist and she's not like the other white women who have slaves <laughs> and, and there is a moment slaves in this book 
where we're reading the diary entry where this white woman, this upper aristocratic white woman is writing about one of the slaves getting whipped. And then it comes back to Laurel and she's like, wow, now I really understand how bad it was to be a slave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. You know, maybe, uh, Laurel, while you're at it, you should just go on a mission trip. (laughs) Down in, uh... Down in Africa or some shit. See what what it's like to live in quote unquote third world countries. I can't. Yeah, the white saviorism. Just the 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 white. um... It's one of those things where it's not. I don't think it's intentional, and that almost makes it worse. Worse, right? Oh, yes. Well, yes. Because Um, you haven't tried. Well, not only that, know. but I think I think that the the mindset is, oh no, I'm done. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like I'm not racist anymore. I've made it okay. I've made I've made it okay, and also like I've 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 hit all the check boxes. Well, and it's know? like, and it's like, have, have her describe that like she's uncomfortable with the amount of human suffering because this is a very different world for her, sure. That doesn't make you understand what it's like right. to be the one suffering. Yes. And we all know racism is bad. You didn't have to put that in there. Right. We're aware. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's not it's not relevant to any of the plots, it sounds like. Oh, it is. Kind of. It becomes relevant. We'll rele- get there. Okay. It becomes relevant. There. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, like... Oh. <laughs> In my notes, slavery is bad. Sub bullet. Don't worry. This one white woman is cool, I guess. Um, That's what we're trying to establish. But this one white woman, she cool. Let me. Oh, oh, here. Let me um, keep reading my notes. Some of the slaves think she has, quote unquote, voodoo because sure. So that's also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And because what even is this fucking book anymore? Laurel then suddenly realizes that, oh, the reason I've been seeing all of these these ghosts for the past couple, like, you know, weeks that I've been here is because this lock that she had thrown in the pond had been been brought out by this, like, thunderstorm. It washed up on the shore of the pond. And so she's like, I have to put this lock back in the pond. The thunderstorm that happened last night. This doesn't matter. <laughs> None of it makes sense. We're just going to yeah, put it out there and keep moving. I'm just like, <laughs> None of it makes lock sense. Lock in the pond? Like, why? I don't know. Why, why was it in the pond? What does a lock and a... Nothing... There's there's nothing about the sim- symbolism either of a lock in a pond that makes sense to me. So we're going to keep going because there's one other major... Technically two other major plots that we have to get through. Jesus fucking Christ. I know! <laughs> Rachel, we're an hour and nine into minutes recording. I know. Which honestly, I'm very, I'm like super impressed by you, but I'm just also like, Jesus fucking Christ. How long was this book? Can you hold it up so I can see? Not that it's not long. long. No. That makes, it you is... know what? That makes also though, the writing must have been atrocious because it's horrible. There's not enough is... words to describe what is going on here. 300 or 370 pages long. All right, let's fucking end this. And by that, I mean, let's get to the final plot. Um, So let's check it back in with Russia. (laughs) So um, good news. The Russian guy is shanked to death in prison by a Vietnam vet um, who is hailed as a patriot by the rest of the United States. Why does this plot even exist? Trigger doesn't know that, though. 
Okay. So he's still going to kidnap Laurel. Oh, right. That's why this plot exists. Yeah, kind of. Um, so Laurel doesn't know this, and so he follows Laurel's dad to Louisiana to find Laurel. And in a true comedy of errors, it ends with him knocking her dad unconscious and putting him in a mausoleum to suffocate hit to death on his way to find Laurel. Well, okay then. <laughs> it's just, it's a comedy of errors to reach to this point. Yes. This is the one and only Rachel's Science Corner that you will get out of me in this entire book. Rachel's Science Corner. <laughs> Given some math that I will be recording later because I need to do, like, finish it, and I didn't finish it. I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> let's cut real quick to science, Rachel. Hello, future Rachel here. And Zach. And Zach. <laughs> to discuss the Rachel Science Corner from this particular time. I hadn't done the math when we recorded because, like, I didn't feel like it because this book made me tired. So I did it afterwards, and Zach helped me. So I, I thought helped. he'd join. Yeah, you helped. Um, so real quick, let's discuss mausoleums. So the only uh, mausoleum dimensions I could find on the internet, at least locally, was 7.75 feet by 10 feet by 9.16 feet. Yeah, about room for one person and your three lovers. <laughs> but are they there? Are they there after you've died? They're or? buried with you. Okay, that Egyptian makes well, style. that makes so it is so much better than assuming that they want to come in and you know hang out with you after you're dead. Yeah, why not? Okay, well, I'm not paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh... That is about 700.9, 709.9 cubic feet of air in there. Okay. And humans process about 300 cubic feet of air in a day. Bitsy's playing in the background. So you've got two days. No. You have much more than that. So only about, <laughs> only about 4% of that 300 cubic feet that you process comes out as carbon dioxide. So that's 12 cubic feet of air is your breathing out in a day 12 cubic feet of carbon dioxide okay, okay. cool so 10 percent is when like like a 10 percent carbon dioxide like percentage in the air that you're breathing that's where you start to pass out so in a 709.9 cubic feet mausoleum that's 70.99 70 71 cubic feet of carbon dioxide okay how long do you think it would take to get to that point i mean you literally just said the Divide numbers it by 12 <laughs> 5.9 days homeboy would have been fine <laughs> okay but what if he's passed out on the ground he's not moving co2 is heavier than air it's true so let's give him like two feet sure okay so that's 155 cubic feet okay of air so 10 percent of that 10 percent 10 percent of that is 15.5 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so that's over a day so he's fine yeah he's fine and by the way, 30% is uh, where you would instantly die, and that would take 17.74 days. Homeboy would be fine. He's fine. He's fine. It's a miracle <laughs> of science. No, don't. No, remember? This is for God's children. Oh, It's just right. a miracle. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Her, her God-given gift saved him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he has a hole that he's breathing through. Homeboy be fucking fine, all right? He's fine. He's fine. Take it away, past Margie and Rachel. <laughs> See, science is fun. <laughs> He's fine. So, yeah. 
Um, so he's stuck in a mausoleum right now, slightly unconscious, but his cell phone works. So he's like calling Laurel throughout this entire thing and like talking to her. And she's trying to help him and trying to see where he is, like using her sight right. through the phone, essentially. And I'm just going to skip ahead because, again, this all happens at the same time because yes. time's an illusion. Basically, she finally convinces her father to even slightly believe her. And he sticks his hand on the side of the mausoleum and she's able to figure out where he is. Yay, he's Magic. saved. Magic. He's saved and her dad maybe believes her now. Um, Great. So let's cut back to Mimosa Grove. Okay. Okay. There's a panther on the property. <laughs> what is happening? It's the, is it's it gonna Louisiana. Eat <laughs> Got it in one, didn't you? <laughs> no fucking way. No fucking way. <laughs> to be fair, I Why also... Why was there a panther walking around? That's not a normal bayou thing. It, yeah, there, I think there's panthers down there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I it's funny because I too guessed that that was going to happen in the middle of this book so you know um so Trigger shows up I just we need to set up the fact that there's a panther on the property and that they're trying to hunt it so that it won't like hurt anyone um so Trigger shows up outside of her house um and does not have a Louisiana does not have a population of these large felines well, you know what? <laughs> According to Dinah, they do. It's <coughs> Margie. This panther was sent from God. Listen, I'm so upset <laughs> that I am pulling off my glasses and rubbing my eyes. Please put me out of my misery. I'm over. We're getting there. I I'm swear we're getting over there. It. So, so Laurel or so Trigger shows up on the property and it's nighttime. And he's like sneaking around and he sees her through a window and she he tries to shoot them, but ends up getting scared by by a peacock that yes there are peacocks on this property i didn't go into it because we don't have time (laughs) and running away and dropping his gun so he's still trying to figure out a way because at this point he's like well i can't go back there's i'm we gotta go all the way i'm just gonna kill her because he's high on cocaine because that's what cocaine makes you do according to dinah cocaine is an instant high too which is kind of fun um but so get he get yourself some cocaine and you'll be ready to murder anyone anyone <laughs> ask your doctor about cocaine today <laughs> ask your doctor so... cocaine is right for you <laughs> so so he's like trying to figure out where how to kill this woman and he's like stalking around the the perimeter of this house at night and he gets eaten by the panther <laughs> Like, we've had this problem, like, at night, this panther has been prowling around, we don't really know what to do. They did have that problem two days before this happened. (laughs) Okay, then it's a little bit better, but it's also, no. No, I'm sorry, it wasn't. Google search. it, It wasn't two days. It was the morning of. I'm sorry. Also, I don't think panthers are particularly all that jazzed about attacking people. Not normally. 
you're you're difficult prey for them right. although apparently trigger wasn't right. here's the thing that upsets me because the most about trigger well okay there's a couple cocaine. it's true only cocaine gives you superhuman never mind yeah. um so one thing that's important to note is that it's very, very thinly veiled that this entire Panther thing is so that none of our good, God-fearing characters had to do a murder. So, you know, act of God and all Why that. Why would they do Here's, a murder? Well, because to protect themselves from Trigger. But it was an act of God, Margie. Have they called the sheriff yet? Yes. It was an act of God, Margie. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's Panther came up from what came from wherever Panthers actually live. The big Panther place in the sky. It's called by God. Here's the thing, Margie. Here's the thing. This entire bonkers, terribly written book has one of the most gut wrenching and like tragically mundane death scenes I've ever read in a book. Like, okay. I read his death scene and had to stop because it was so well written. Ooh. This whole fucking book has three sentences that will rip your fucking heart out. Ooh. How did that happen? <laughs> that is so weird. Okay, let's finish it. Yes. So, yeah, he gets eaten by a panther. Um... And she knows that he got eaten by a panther because she dreamed it. And everyone's like, okay, sure. And she's like, no, you'll find him in this location. He won't, he'll be missing an arm. And they're like, oh. And they find him. Yay. And her dad's fine. Yay. <sighs> oh, and um, through all this media attention, don't worry. They're not going to bring Trigger into the media because his dad's been through enough. And we'd hate to slander a four-star general. Right. And, and you know, it, it was all, I mean, it was all because of cocaine. So right. let's not. Cocaine let's and not... Russians. Right. Um, <laughs> Let's not drag this poor Secretary of Defense through the mud. Oh, no, this one's the four-star general, not the oh, Secretary four-star of Defense. four-star general, yeah. excuse me. Um, so let's do a final check-in with the spookily-dookly. Um, this is the last part of the book. So remember that stripper comment about the rocks? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Shy rocks, yeah. Shy, shy, shy stripping rocks. <laughs> so I feel like the listeners have no idea. Don't worry, we'll get to it. So... Like, the next night, I guess, time's an illusion again, there's another thunderstorm, which is just an ongoing thing, and, like, it's been a couple, it's been raining for, like, a while, and, like, there's the danger of flooding and all this stuff. You know, at this point, they might just burn this bitch as a witch, because ever since she came down, they've had the worst weather. Right? And, uh... She's out watching her out her door or whatever, and there's a giant lightning strike, and she's like, oh, no, in the morning, I'll need to check if that damaged anything. And at this point, she's finished reading the diary. And I'm going to cliff notes the diary. Basically, she tells her husband that she's going to leave him with the children and go back to France because she doesn't love him, and he's an abusive ass. And this is Chantel. And... He freaks out and starts beating on her, and one of the slaves decides, no, I'm going to pull him off of her and knock him unconscious real quick, and then I'm going to die in order to save this white woman. (sighs) And my wife and her kids, who, by the way, the wife's the one that thinks that the voodoo comment thing, are just going to have to live without me. Um, and as they're running away, both of them are murdered by the husband. That's basically the gist of it. Okay. Um, I just, we're going to just leave it at that. 
basically they're all descendants of these people and uh yeah and Chantel and this this slave were murdered by Chantel's husband there you go so she goes out the next morning to find where this lightning strike had happened and it had uprooted a really old tree on the property let me guess there's bones under the tree there's bones under the tree. No so Margie, way. she's standing next to the remains of two dead people and describing the rocks peeking out of the earth like shy strippers. Also, there are bodies there. Yes, there are dead bodies there are next dead to bodies. the shy stripper Like There are rocks. dead bodies right there and you're describing rocks as shy strippers. Wait, wait, what, madam, Dinah, Dina, are you on cocaine? (laughs) Maybe. Are you on crack? This is for all you people out there who have watched the musical Reefer Madness on the straight dope of God. Oh, cool. All right. Rachel, close and uh, fucking out. I'm tired. So they learn about how Chantel was murdered and the end. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's the book. Listen, I'm going to argue, Rachel. This, I know it's marketed as romance. It's not. This is not a romance novel. This it's is just totally a weird not. mystery. Two mysteries, I would say, that don't really like, have anything to do with one another. It's like six mysteries. Yeah. There none is... of them have anything to do with one another, other than no, they, they like don't. all involve I... uh, whatever her name is. Like, here, <sighs> that's, but that just tells you, right? You I literally concluded the book less than a minute ago, and I still I can't remember Laurel's. No. I couldn't remember Laurel's name for a second because I just didn't care enough. It's there. Are, I skipped over so many little tiny plots that had zero impact on anything. There's a whole plot about the person who's going to be a witness to this guy, like the Russian dude, running away because she's scared of him. It doesn't matter. It takes three paragraphs. Who gives a shit? <laughs> this is the perfect example of how you should write a novel and then rewrite it from memory because you're only going to remember the important parts and you're going to strip out all the extra shit that you don't need. Right. Like, uh, yeah. what I'm saying okay. is this was a bad book and it got zeros across the board. And also, I'm looking at it like in your hand right now. It wasn't long enough for all of those subplots. And no. I wouldn't even say that they're subplots because like, I don't no. even know what the main plot was supposed to be. Was it this thing with Trigger? Was it uh, I don't know. like uh, her and the Justin's relationship? Thing? Like the Chantel? No, it I wasn't that. It wasn't the relationship. The closest thing I can think of, and it's the only thing that really started at the beginning and ended, was her thing finding about Chantel. Like, that was it. All right, rate I it. I guess. Zeros. It's a terrible <laughs> book. Well, that's it's a easy. bad book. It's bad. It's badly written. And I cannot describe to you how bad the sex is. And I have theories on and why it's so bad. you have to describe it. I do. In, head to Patreon, please, because you need to know. You need, you to, need know. to know. You need to know about the sex. Uh, it's it is so important. bad. It's such a bad book. It's such a bad book. Guys, it's a bad book. And and Dina should feel bad. It was a book where I read it and thought, oh my God, what did I just put myself through? And then I wrote my notes and was like, oh my God, what did I put myself through? <laughs> the 
things we do for this podcast, you know, the things that we fucking read for this podcast. I'm like, oh, Just, man, we love you. We I'm, love you I'm all losing brain cells. You need to know how much we love you. And if this is an example of how much we love you, know oh, that we well, love you. Then, um, the next book that I do is going to be true fucking devotion. And you know what's you know what's great about that? What? It's gonna come out around Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh hey guys, I hope you've had just a wonderful time lately. And I hope that I don't know. I hope you're doing good. I hope you all are doing better than Laurel and Justin are. <laughs> Low fucking bar. Although they're dream fucking, so dream fucking That's sounds true. pretty nice. They have the perfect relationship, apparently. Yeah. I guess. Well, they're descendants, and yeah, and one of them is descendants of. Um, no, I'm not even. No, no, all right, you just, can't uh, trick me. All right, you can't bye, trick guys. me into talking about See it again. Ya. See you hey, over no, on no, Patreon. No, no. Ayla near you. Thank you for the use of your song "Oh Love" off the album "Be Held." It's a bop. And now, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. We love you. <laughs> bye. Bye.